we're live. All right. Football Outsiders live stream is here. Hello, world. Hello to everybody watching on Twitch and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and in the little widget in the corner of our site. Welcome to the Football Outsiders Thursday live stream. I am Aaron Schatz, editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, joined today by Mike Tanier, as always, and our man J.P. Acosta is joining us as well. And we are here to preview and get you all ready for week nine in the NFL. I can't believe we're already here. Like, after this week is over, we'll be halfway through the season, which seems a little nuts. (laughs) But it was like 38 degrees outside yesterday, so I guess it's actually (laughs) November. It's it's not fun. It's not fun. In Chicago right now, it's like 37. And I have not worn for you. This is very new. I'm used to 77. Right now in Florida, I think where my parents are at, it's like 80 degrees. And they always send me pictures of them at the pool, of them at the beach, while I'm struggling going to class in like five different layers of clothing. So the hat's not just representing right now. The hat is a necessity, even in yes, the hat is warmth. I'm, okay. I'm starting hibernation. It builds character, man. It's, yeah. The winter builds character. That's why I go through it every year. <laughs> yeah, you Boston people have like of unbelievably high uh, wisdom and charisma after all. We are time. very high, yes. It builds <laughs> character, yes. All right, we're here to uh, to preview week nine. Before that, I want to remind everybody watching about the limited time offer, FO Plus. Become an FO Plus member. Get all of our advanced stats, all of the splits, matchup view. Get all of the fantasy uh, uh research tools, the fantasy projections, picks against the spread, all that stuff, uh, $0.99 cents a week for an annual subscription. $0.99. So cents. Become an FO Plus member, only $0.99 cents a week. It's a great deal for a lot of great content. Uh, check it out at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. That's phenomenal because it seems like a lot of our colleagues are having trouble with their annual subscriptions and complaining about it on Twitter. This is very yeah. affordable. Yes, very affordable. Even Pro Football Talk could afford this. Yeah, I can afford this. And if a broke college student can afford it, so can you. Football Outsiders Plus, more affordable than whatever Pro Football Talk is complaining about, and it works better than NFL Game Pass. Oh, heck yes. That's right. That's right. Anything works better than NFL Game Pass. You know, there's a thing, you know, off topic, the you know, sports management worldwide class that Mike Tanier and I teach about football analytics. In the third class, there's a whole segment where I talk about how to chart games. And I've always gone back on Game Pass, and I have a specific game from 2017 that I show certain plays from, and I have notes written down about, like, what to say. Uh-uh, not doing, can't do that anymore. All the old games are gone. All you get are condensed versions of old games. You can no longer go to games from before this year and pick specific plays. It's a mess. It is a mess. But not, but not FO Plus. FO Plus is not a mess. It has been redesigned. Yes. FO Plus redesigned, working smooth, gives you lots of data. Check it out. Limited time offer. All right, let's talk about this week's games. I wanted to briefly start with Thursday night's game, which is the New York Jets at the Indianapolis Colts. Now, you watch these Thursday shows. You know that I give the playoff odds and how they'll be impacted by the game. So the Colts go to the playoffs 37% of the time with a win, 12% if they lose. I didn't even write down the Jets. (laughs) We have cool graphics for this, but we didn't do one for this game because the Jets are not going to the playoffs. 
Look, it could be like that Doctor Strange meme from uh, Fanny Warworth. There's one chance. One out of 14 million. There is. There is a chance. They are not out of it entirely. And if it turns out that Mike White is the savior, the Jets could go on a run. I don't think that's going to happen. But I wanted to quickly, because you watched the Bengals game for any given Sunday, tell us what you thought about Mike White. Like what? Like, how much did you feel like, oh, he's really showing something versus, yeah, this could easily be fluky? So before I went into the film for any given Sunday, I kind of looked at the stats and the numbers, and I saw the 405 passing yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. But then I saw the 3.7 air yards per attempt. I'm like, okay, I know what we got here. It's a little bit of check downs. We're going to dump the ball off, get our, get to our playmakers. They can do all the rest of the work. When watching the film, yeah, there was a little bit of that, but – he made some big boy throws. That touchdown to Braxton Berrios to end the half was a big yes, boy throw. That was really good. And that was after the throw to Keelan Cole, which should have been counted if just being cool. Mm-hmm. NFL needs a coolness factor for cool catches. Right. And cool. then the seam ball to Tyler Croft. I think what Mike White did, and it can be a lesson for Zach Wilson if he does end up getting his job back. Um to be able to take the singles and the doubles. I made the analogy for any given Sunday, but Zach Wilson right now is like um, MLB slugger right now. He's like Joey Gallo for the Yankees. <laughs> he's going to hit a bunch of home runs. It'll look really cool, but if he's not hitting the home runs, there are going to be some really bad strikeouts. Zach Wilson is so predicated on hitting the big play, hitting the home run. It's what he did at BYU that he's missing out on the singles and the doubles that keep the offense moving and he ended up striking out really bad. What Mike White did against the Bengals, he took the singles, he took the doubles. And then when they started playing up on those shorter routes because he's been checking it down, he was able to hit those backside digs. He was able to hit some great in-breaking routes over the middle and some clutch moments. There were throws in this game where I was like, okay, all right, Mike, I see you. Go ahead, go ahead, stun on us a little bit. But I think what Mike White really did, like I said, was he took what the defense gave him, and then when it came time to make plays, he made those plays. He threw a, he threw a great in-breaker to Keelan Cole uh, near the end of the game where I was a little surprised that he actually completed that ball. But he's taking what the defense is giving him, and then when it's time to hit the home run, he'll go and get you the home run. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens against the Colts because the Colts' defense is so slanted, right? They're so good against the run. Mm-hmm and they're below average against the pass. I don't know what their tackling is like, because I know tackling was a problem for the Bengals in this oh, game. Man. <laughs> it is my uh, it's my old man take that nobody knows how to tackle anymore. It's mm-hmm. just, you guys wrap up, drive for five. The Bengals did not tackle well at all on Sunday against the Jets. And some of that is due to the Jets' skill position players making people miss. Michael Carter led the Jets in receiving yards with 95. He played really well on Sunday, but I think the Colts, they're a lot like those, they're a lot like normal zone teams. They're not going to let anything get behind them very much. They're going to try and come up, make tackles, and they're a pretty good tackling team. Darius Leonard is a monster. Darius Leonard, yeah. Making tackles. But I think it's going to be important for Mike White and the Jets to stay on schedule and to hit those home runs when you get the chance. It's a hard team with the number one ranked rush DVOA. Yeah, hard team to stay on schedule. It's difficult to stay on schedule against the Colts because they're just so 
they're so fundamentally sound against the run. Nobody's outgapped. Nobody's fitting in the wrong place. It also helps to have DeForest Buckner, who basically destroys plays on the front, and then Darius Leonard's going to come behind them. But they're so smart. And I think Grover Stewart, the nose tackle, is also very good at just disrupting plays. So they get you behind schedule where you're getting in a second and long, third and long, and they don't necessarily have to play to the sticks because they'll just come up and make a tackle. Hmm. Yeah, I remember last year whenever I watched the Colts, you heard Grover Stewart's name a lot. I haven't really watched the Colts that much this year, so I haven't heard his name that much, but I'm assuming he's still a pretty good player. Yes, he's still he's still one of their underrated names. Like you hear the Darius Leonard, you hear DeForest Buckner, you even hear Xavier Rhodes. But Grover Stewart is one of their key cogs in that defense, especially on the defensive line. So the line in this game is Indianapolis by ten and a half. I'm noping out of this one. I am noping out of this one. When it was up around Jets fourteen, I was interested in the Jets, but this feels like a. Uh, Home team pulls away on field goals kind of Thursday night. Oh, it feels the opposite to me. It feels like a home team takes a lead and visiting team backdoor covers kind of Thursday night. Okay. It's right, which is me, which is why the 10 and a half versus the 14 gets that weird nether region. And I'm not I'm not betting on Carson Wentz to cover a double digit spread. I'm just <laughs> not, not the year of our Lord 2021. I'm just so I'm I'm noping out of of this one. I think I took the first quarter over of uh, which I believe is nine and a half. Uh, and, uh, and then I'm, root- I'm just rooting for mayhem in this game. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be a chaos game um, because on one side you got the Jets who are always like, even with Mike White playing as well as he did, he had two very Jets interceptions where one just went right off the helmet of Michael Carter and the other went through the hands of a receiver. Very Jets. Just If they were to lose, then it is exactly how that game, exactly how the Jets will play. But on the other side, you got Carson Wentz who um, – had, I think, the worst interception I've ever seen in my it's life. It's amazing that Carson Wentz only has four picks this year because the picks he's thrown are so bad. It's so chaotic. <laughs> it's, it's magical. It's I don't know how to how to describe it because he could have right. thrown, thrown the ball into the dirt. But he's like, nope, nope, I got this, I got this, I got this. And then just with his offhand, throws it up to nobody. And yeah. I was, it's just like, oh, no. Like We, we see what's happening here. There's a creativity to it. There's a creativity to it that makes you suggest there must be more where they came from. And yet you're right. Most of the mistakes we've seen go viral are the mistakes. <laughs> Although there's a lot of dropped interceptions. There's a lot of fumbles that bounced into a lineman's hand. There's other, there's other wincisms that he hasn't gotten called. Yeah, on he's, very, he's very, uh, I don't know if it's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, because Mr. Hyde shows up a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It's more like Mr. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll. If a werewolf only came out when there was a moon. He's less like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and more like Mr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I don't think Mr. Jekyll has made it as far as medical school. (laughs) I don't know what they have up in North Dakota State, man. He could he could be a doc. He could be a doctor. Intern Jekyll. Um, (laughs) Jekyll. I went Jets, by the way, for ESPN best bets. I went Jets plus ten and a half. I saw that. You're all in. I like the Jets to cover. I like, I mean, I think if Mike White is a little bit better than Zach Wilson, I think that this this line is too big. Okay. I think the Jets can make it real funky if Mike White plays kind of how he did against the Bengals. And if I think the uh, Jets defensive line can get pressure, because that's the one thing the Bengals could not stop, is the Jets interior defensive line has been their best performing 
group this season. Yes. Quentin Williams and Sheldon. And last season and the season before that. Yeah. Their defensive front has continued to play really well. C.J. Mosley is back to playing at a really high level. I think if the Colts can't protect Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz goes full pumpkin, then we could have a little fun game going on. But it's going to be t- it's going to be difficult, especially if the Colts get an early lead where they can just kind of suffocate you mm. with their defense. It could be difficult. You're on an island, Aaron. You're on an island here. I'm on an island. Just plus 10 and a half is my island. Let's move on to Sunday and the most important game for playoff odds this week by far. Is Cleveland at Cincinnati? The Bengals make the playoffs in 62% of simulations when they win and only 31% when they lose. And the Browns, 59% when they win and 27% when they lose. Kind of kind of the must-win decide as I'll say decide the wild card below the Ravens, but that's not entirely accurate, but kind of like decide who's for real in the playoff odds here in the AFC North. Yeah, I mean, whoever wins this has a much better shot at the playoff, I mean, at the wild card, but also has a shot at the Ravens. If you lose this game, you don't have a shot at the Ravens. Yeah, especially with the Bengals getting that win over Baltimore early in the season. This could have huge implications on the AFC North race. And it's really, I said this in uh, any given Sunday, I don't know what to think about the Bengals because they've won some close games against some kind of not good opponents. (laughs) <laughs> but they've also hung tough against the Packers in a game where just nobody wanted to make a field goal. They're really weird in terms of like their offense just is not fun when it's not, when Jamar Chase is not on. It's I think we have rough. value. Yeah, well, one of the things about the Bengals' offense is it's only 22nd in DVOA. They, they've been really good for fantasy purposes, but that's because, number one, Chase has been amazing, and number two – They've run more offensive drives than any other team except Carolina. Hmm. So it's like there's been more of it, but it hasn't really been that efficient. It really hasn't. Um, A lot of their routes, a lot of their passing game is reliant on their outside receivers being better than your defensive backs. And to be, to be fair, Jamar Chase has been better than a lot of defensive backs this year, but you saw it against the jets. If he's not on, he had three catches for 32 yards. If that offense, if Jamar Chase isn't on and he's not consistently getting open, they're having to rely on T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd to create mismatches, and that's not something I don't think they can do, especially when you live out of empty like the Bengals do. You're also relying on Joe Burrow making that extra blitzer miss, making something happen with Joe Burrow just being Joe Burrow. It's just really – I don't think the offense is very sustainable, especially when it's – reliant on hey jamar go be better than the db or hey joe burrow be be better than the defense or joe mixon be better than whatever we have in front of you blocking i I will say that the browns defense i believe they rank 28th against the number one receivers against number one receivers yeah i may have the the order flip but way down the bottom 29th among against deep passes so they are designed to lose to the jamar chases of the world which is one thing is giving me a hard time, you know, kind of handicapping this game. The yeah. Browns' defense has really weird shape. They're really, really good against the run. Mm-hmm. They're only 25th against the pass. Right. Despite the fact that they're number two in ESPN's pass rush win rate. So despite the fact that their pass rush is really good, 
they don't play well against the pass. Their cornerbacks, who are pretty renowned, are mm-hmm. really struggling this year. Right. Yeah, I think it's a lot due to they're changing their defensive scheme to be more kind of like the Rams. They play a lot of quarters. They play a lot of covers six. There are a lot of coverage busts with the Browns. Hmm. Their defensive front is going to give every offense fits up front. I mean, when you have Miles Garrett and Davian Clowney, and they run a lot of stunts and twists with those guys, somebody's going to get home. If it's not Miles Garrett, sooner or later, they're going to get home. But there have been a lot of coverage busts on the back end. By the way, Clowney's on the injury report. Not sure what his status is. I believe Denzel Ward is back on the injury report. Yeah, he's got some kind of a hamstring issue, so he's been limited. Right, so, so there's a lot with, They're going to be going with Northwestern rookie Greg Newsom and okay. uh, Greg Williams at corner. Yeah. The problem is that Northwestern rookie Greg Newsom, according to uh, Sports Info Solutions, is allowing 9.4 yards per target, <laughs> which is bad. And Denzel Ward, Denzel Ward is allowing eight yards per target compared to 5.9 last year. Hmm. Hey, make me want to take off my hat now. Shoot, I, <laughs> I already put it out there. We represent the academic uh, part of the Big Ten. Remember, that's that. right. That's right. We are the journalism school. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that's true, man. We got double Big Ten on this show. We got the Rutgers dad, and we've got a Northwestern student. Yeah, the Don't Big Ten represented by the powerhouses here. Powerhouses of the Big Ten. Um, So it's a really – I think the Browns' defense is really interesting shape. And I think the Bengals can take advantage of that because Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd should be good. Yes. Yes, they should be. And and again, they're going to be covered by second-tier defenders, I think. No offense. Right. On the other side, the Browns' defense – the Browns' running game is – spectacular so they're number one run dvoa and cincinnati's defense fell after they played the jets so i don't know how much can they run on cincinnati cincinnati's got a good front uh they've got like ogan joby now and dj reader i think cincinnati's front has improved this year especially against the run and i think it's also going to be reliant for cleveland to get their tackles and their offensive line healthy because that's one of the biggest problems for Cleveland's offense this year. Nobody's been healthy. They've right. had games where both Conklin and Wills have been out. Nick Chubb's been gone with injury. Kareem Hunt's on IR. None of their receivers are healthy. So it's just looking a very – it looks very condensed what the Browns' offense is like. They, they have to rely on running the ball because when they go to spread personnel, they can't really throw it. Right. And a lot of that is – probably due to Baker Mayfield's injury and also due to Baker Mayfield kind of being a limited quarterback. But everybody hurts. (laughs) Everybody cries. Go on. I'm sorry. And apparently Baker Mayfield not getting along with his best receiver, (laughs) which is why his best receiver isn't practicing anymore. And apparently Beckham is not going to be cut. They're going to just hold on to him for the rest of the year for no reason? Like, it's a mess. Him and Michael they Thomas. Gave him leave. <laughs> they gave him paid leave. Yeah. Yeah, go, basically. Go, go ahead and go to Cedar Point. Go hang out for a little bit. We need to make up Nighthawks at the diner, like that that uh, that famous painting. Mm-hmm. And we got like Michael Thomas and Deshaun Watson and Odell Beckham there just hanging out of the diner with it's nothing just, else to do. And like yeah. a stack of money up on the counter. It's be hanging uh, out at the Spittoon. 
Joey Suck says that the Browns are as high in DVOA with the injuries they've had is insane. I had not put that together. Yeah, the Browns are sixth in DVOA. Now, some of that is that they had a huge win over Chicago. That win over Chicago was the second best single game of the year. So that's still having a lot of weight in DVOA. But even without that game, they would still be higher than the Bengals at this point. Yeah. Especially like offensively, I just think back to that explosion of an offensive game they had against the Chargers where they scored 42 points. But it's just going to be weird or it's going to be tough for them to move the ball if they're not in 13 personnel, three tight ends, two tight ends in the set, and they're not running the ball. Like they, when they have to go to spread personnel, they don't, they just don't have the bodies at receiver, especially with OBJ being gone. You have nobody outside of Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, Jarvis Landry is going to give you eight-yard catches, maybe. If and he's then healthy. If he's healthy. He's on the report. They're relying on Rashad – not Rashad Higgins. I think it's Rashad Higgins. Yeah. And Anthony Schwartz to kind of be your number one receivers. It's, <laughs> they just don't have enough. Now, you did mention the Bengals tackling earlier, though. So that comes back to another issue where you can get into that 13 personnel and possibly hammer the, the Bengals. Yeah. If you get past Reed or if you get into their linebacking level. Yeah, if you get yeah. to a different level, then you'll be able to make some people miss. The numbers show that because the Bengals' defense is much better in adjusted line yards than it is in DVOA mm -hmm. because if you get past that first level, they do allow some long runs. Right. And the Browns yeah. are number one in the league in open field yards. They get long runs. Yes, yes. Yep. Especially uh, when they go to that outside zone where they get people out in front of you and you give Nick Chubb kind of that alleyway, he's a great running back even without it. But if you give him a runway, he's going to basically make everybody miss. Yeah. Bengals are favored by two and a half. It was yeah. originally three and it's come down. I am leaning Browns, but I got to get a better injury report before I make a final decision. Cause I looked at it earlier <laughs> And every Conklin's on it again. He's probably out this week. Landry, it's a different situation with Landry. I think if I got Landry, I know he's playing. I know Ward is playing. I'm comfortable going Browns plus two and a half. Yeah. I, I think I would need to see a uh, another injury report before the game to make a decision because if they're gonna, if Browns are going to be trotting out a mass unit, then you really don't know. I went Browns. I actually made this my pick of the week. I went Browns. Okay. I felt like these teams are pretty equal with the injuries. Even without the injuries, I think the Browns are better. Um, I loved – originally it was three. I loved the idea of getting three. Two and a half is not quite as good. Yeah. But, uh, um, but I would definitely pick the Browns in this game. By the way, the over for Jamar Chase's receiving yards is 73.5 based on the DVOAs we said earlier against number one receivers against deep threats. 73.5 is high, but I would possibly consider that. Yeah. He's having a hell of a rookie year, man. Yeah, he is. He yeah, sort of quieted that whole discussion of would you, you know, we talking a couple weeks ago on this about like, would you vote for an offensive line, ta you know, offensive tackle as rookie of the year? Mm -hmm. At this point, it's ridiculous, I think, to consider anyone other than Jamar Chase as rookie of the year. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, when I did any given Sunday, he was our seventh most valuable receiver in the entire league. Yeah, so far this year. It's wow. insane what he's done. Uh, 
Next game, 1 o'clock, Minnesota at Baltimore. Minnesota makes the playoffs in 48% of the Sims when they win, 27% when they lose. Uh, Ravens, 90% when they win, 74% when they lose. Which is more shocking, that DVOA still likes the Vikings so much overall, they're 11th (laughs) overall, or that Baltimore is only 24th on defense? I think what's shocking to me is Minnesota being so high. I just – I do not see it with this Minnesota team. I I want to believe in the offense, but I think on Sunday night against Dallas, that was kind of a reality check for them. Because <laughs> that was one of those psychologically damaging games, I would – I think. That was a demoralizing game. Like I was, I was sitting there mad. For, I don't think they're mad for Vikings fans because they had to watch that. <laughs> like they couldn't move the ball at all, no. and they had the they had the recipe to do it. You had the receivers to do it, mm-hmm. but it's just Kirk Cousins doesn't throw the ball downfield. Cowboys kept handing them penalties in the fourth quarter with the score tied, or it was within three. I forget. But here, here's another 15 yard penalty. Here's another. Here's some pass interference. Here we are. Let's get you as close to the goal line as possible. And the closer you got to the goal line, the more Kirk Cousins and the game plan, I think we have to put Clint Kubiak in this category, was let's run the boot pass again and see if it fools them. It's shocking how unwilling to seize the opportunities the Vikings are week in and week out. There were so many flat passes to C.J. Ham that I was just – I was tired of it. Like, enough. Enough of the C.J. Ham thing. It's not working. And yet – for the season, it's worked. They're seventh in passing. But I, I, I it think sounds crazy, but they are. I think Kirk Cousins has figured out how to game DR. I think that's what it is. He's gotten into the formula and like, oh, this is the exact failed completion I need that kind of just gets me over the edge here. You know, uh, one of the things I mean, that a I lot think- of that value is the first three weeks of the season. I will say they've been they were much better in the first three weeks of the season than they've been in the last four. So. And that's true. I and mean, as Shane Wong has said it best here in the comments, if you're a Vikings fan, you know what you signed up for. Yeah, this has been Not your entire true. life. <laughs> so we, man, we get I, that. I I don't know, man. Especially for the Vikings defensively. Mm-hmm. Like, they had a chance there at the end of the game to shut the door on mm-hmm. the Cowboys. And they just played the softest coverage and you, I've ever seen. And you talk and, about tackling. You talk oh about boy. tackling. <laughs> My goodness. I, I was sitting there like an old curmudgeon, like, wrap up. <laughs> wrap up, drive your hips. It's like bowling pins bouncing off of – it was like something out of old 10-yard fight video game, just bouncing off of, of, of Zeke at the end of that. One thing we got to talk about when we're talking about the Vikings right now is is, is Hunter's injury. Yeah. Yeah, Hunter's out. And that's devastating because they're very high in pass defense DVOA. Are they third or fourth? They're um, fourth, and they're um... – they're second in pressure, according to Sport Radar. But yeah, what happens now with Neil Hunter done for the year? Right. That's their main guy, especially on passing downs. If he's not getting pressure, if he's not on the field, I don't know if they can get pressure. A lot of Mike Zimmer's like double A gap schemes are reliant on like winning on the edge. If you can't get that pressure up the middle, I don't think they have anybody who can do that now with Daniel Hunter out. Griffin. Unlimited snaps has been like really good this year. He's like sort of having a comeback year, but they need the, the combination of the two of them. Yeah, they need Griffin and Hunter, not just Griffin. If you're <laughs> relying on just Griffin, 
Right. Like right now, like in 2021, I don't know what to tell you. Right. And I, I don't know why the Ravens defense is so low in DVOA, but I mean, I know their interior linebackers have trouble with tackling. Yeah. Patrick Green hasn't been as good as people expected. Malik Harrison, I would guess, is not going to play because he got shot and it's going to take a couple of weeks for for he got shot by an errant bullet. It's not like he was like robbing a store or anything. Right, right, right. It's weird where he was at a party and, and something happened in the neighborhood, but it's going to take a couple of weeks to recover from that. Yeah. And um, but uh, they're actually sixth in pressure, and Vikings are 29th in pressure allowed. So they'll get pressure on Cousins. Yeah. Odefe Owe is great. Yes. He's had a fantastic year. Um, I think Wink Martindale set him up, especially like really well with blitzes, getting him free runs. And even without having a free run at the quarterback, he's shown and flashed a lot of things that I didn't think he had coming out of Penn State. This is more refined pass rush technique. Mm-hmm. Being alongside Justin Houston, Calais Campbell helps a lot. But I think a reason for the Ravens being so far down in their defense DVOA is if they're not getting home with pressure, their DBs aren't exact. They don't have Marcus Peters. Right. right. They're not, their coverage is not as good as it used to be. This, this, right. they, you know, they want to single cover everybody. The, uh, and last, I bet a lot of the DVO is week one, week two, too, because they struggled against the Raiders, especially in the second half of that loss. They struggled against the Kansas City Chiefs earlier in the season. There's probably, they're probably trending in the, although, yeah, the, I guess the Bengals game is probably a big problem, too. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. They got rolled all over with, with, with the Bengals. So that's not, Maybe not as accurate as I Yeah, and the Colts game, they gave up a lot yeah. of offense also. Right. But if they're um, going to live in man coverage, which, I mean, that's Wink Martindale's defensive system, you have to live in man coverage. They're going to go after Anthony Averett a lot because he's not Marlon Humphrey. He's the weak guy, yep. Mm-hmm. He's, he is the weak link. They're, he's got the X on him every week. So yep. I'm curious to see how Minnesota is going to attack Averett and that pass defense, especially with having Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen both healthy. Right. Mr. Chainsaw66 says, do you think the Cooper Rush victory over the Vikings was so demoralizing that it eliminated them from the playoffs? Nothing eliminates the Vikings from the playoffs. They always find their way. They will always be in the hunt. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's never say never, but it certainly was demoralizing. I mean, the problem is, look, the peak for the Vikings has always felt like losing in the first round. Yes. Yes. So now it's going to be harder for them to lose in the first round, (laughs) but that still feels like their peak. And, And if you look at the playoff odds, you know, the Bears are still hanging around in there. And it looks like the 49ers and possibly the Seahawks are still hanging around in there. That's the competition you're looking at in the playoffs. You're not looking at the Packers. You're not looking at the Rams to make the playoffs. You're looking at teams that are very easy to demoralize in their own way and are almost almost as self-destructive. Right. The, the NFC playoffs are, <clears throat> are very set at this point. Yes, like you yeah. pretty much know five teams that are definitely getting in. Uh, Dallas, uh, Green Bay, Arizona, the Rams, and Tampa. Yes. The Saints, I don't know what's going to happen with the backup quarterbacks, but they've got a leg up on everyone else. Right. And then it's just like a ton of teams fighting for the seventh spot. Right. It is going Eagles to be, be maximum chaos. Just <laughs> those last few weeks. Just I cannot wait. We're going to eventually get like a Kirk Cousins game in the middle of the season where he just throws for like 400 yards. Yeah. We're going to be like, are the Vikings back? And then next week, just another clunker yeah. while 
the Niners are doing whatever the Niners are doing. <laughs> they don't, we don't even know who's going to play quarterback for them when both guys are healthy. And Minnesota, the Bears are somewhere. Minnesota at Detroit, week 13, and then Thursday night against Pittsburgh, week 14. So there you go. There's your 400-yard Kirk Cousins game, followed by Kirk Cousins playing terribly. Perfect. And, and it's it. a Thursday night game, too. Yeah, it, that season might be a little cooked at that point. <laughs> Uh, the line here is Baltimore by six. I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable. I think I'm fine with that. I'd be fine with that. So you guys like Baltimore? Yeah. Yes. I think their run game is going to lean on Minnesota. I yeah. think I lean a little bit that direction too. Like I want it to be like DVOA says Minnesota's not that bad and and everything, but I I do feel like that last game was really demoralizing. Right. And the Hunter injury is a huge, that's a huge a injury. injury. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, we're all on Baltimore, Baltimore yes. minus six, everybody. Uh, let's move to the four o'clock games. Green Bay at Kansas city. Here we go. Let's get Green weird. Bay, man. Green Bay makes the playoffs 99% of time uh, with the win and 94% with a loss chiefs, 62% with a win 38% with a loss who among us dust is immunized. <laughs> I am, but I'm going to double check. I got to double check when when Aaron Rodgers is around. Who knows? So, but he's quarantined out of this game, so I guess I can take I can take this off now. All right. Okay. Here's an interesting question from Bill Houston. After watching Football Outsiders metrics legend Alex Smith sputter short passes for five years, I now find it highly ironic that Andy Reid seems unwilling to return to this type of offense, especially when it would be protected uh, effective. Do you feel? Reed is too proud or suffers from some sort of Alex Smith type PTSD. My guess is that it's more about Mahomes trying to do too much and not taking the short stuff than it is about Andy Reed not calling the short stuff. That's what I think too. I think it's more on Mahomes being a little impatient at times. He's he's got a little bit of that we're going to go for the home run every time and it's because it's Patrick Mahomes, you're normally assume normally assume he can do that, but this year some it just hasn't clicked, and now he's got to be able to take those five yard gains when you need them. You have to be able to take those five yarders. It's why Aaron Rodgers was the MVP last year because that offense is so patient. They can take those five yard gains. They'll take the quick screens on first down if you're going to give them to them. The Chiefs aren't real, very built to be patient, especially when your best possession receiver Travis Kelsey. What defenses start to do is they're going to jam them up at the line of scrimmage and throw off their timing for the quick routes. Tyree Kill is going to run the deep over. If that isn't hitting, then you're relying on Nicole Hardman, um, Josh Gordon, yes. whatever Josh Gordon is right now, Byron Pringle. They, <laughs> they just need – they need something. The, the Giants doubled Kelsey a lot. Yes. And if you remember the start of that game, they ran the Alex Smith offense on the first drive. March down the field. Of course, Mahomes throws an interception at the end in the in the end zone. So that stuff is in there. I, I, I will say though, Andy Reid wants to always wants to default to the deep pass. That's who he is. That's who he was in McNabb's prime. He wanted to get deep as often as possible in that time when Vic was there. And the aberration in his career was trying to manufacture around Alex Smith. So that's his default. I do think sometimes he's very reluctant to downshift at times when maybe downshifting is a good plan, which would have been against the Giants when they, they, you know, they were gashing him on the ground and every time Miko caught a little screen pass, he ran 30 yards. Reed is reluctant to do that. 
But again, in, in the name of what's best for a team with Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback, is getting Mahomes straightened out a little bit here, getting out of whatever's causing this slump. That's better in the long term than saying, hey, you know what, let's let's try to be a ground-and-pound team or like manufacture a screen pass. Kind I mean, of they can manufacture against the Packers. This is a defense that you can run against, and you yeah. can manufacture with screens against them. You can beat them that way. Yeah, and I think the uh, Chiefs, what the Chiefs started flashing against the Giants is a more gap-based scheme when they're in a the shotgun. A lot of their uh, run game last year, it was either split zone or inside zone from shotgun. Because they're in shotgun so much, they became predictable. Mm. Now they're starting to run counter. They're starting to run power. Trey Smith is having a great year run blocking. Yeah. That's the stuff we all thought that they were going to do at the beginning of the year. It was like the whole point of the chapter, of the Kansas City chapter, was with this new offensive line, they're going to run a totally different kind of running game. And then it didn't quite happen. No, it, Andy, Andy has said that in the past and changed his mind. Eagles did that one time. Oh, we're going to be a ground and pound team. And they brought in a different line. Then they were back throwing 500 bombs a game. It's, 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 it's his nature. Yeah, I just think they need to be a little less predictable in their run game because mm-hmm. when you're going to live in shotgun as much as they do. Split zone, and in, you can only run split zone and inside zone out of so many formations before teams start to catch on to it. And now that we're in like week nine, mm-hmm. they're starting to become a little predictable. So mix in a little bit of power, mix in some GH counter, get get offenses and their linebackers a little bit off balance. Right. Joey Sucks makes a rounders reference and says Patrick Mahomes is Mike McDermott before losing to Teddy KGB. Lost He's a little on tilt. <laughs> uh, Bill Houston asks, does the Melvin Ingram trade move the needle for you? Can he play strong safety? No, he can't play strong safety. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice little addition. It's a nice little addition, certainly. I think – uh, if, if the Steelers were that worried about it, they wouldn't have traded him to another – conference rival you know right i think melvin ingram's gonna help in the fact that they can move chris jones back yeah. inside yeah. where like i don't know why they thought chris jones at the end was a good idea but it has not worked at all mm-hmm. they haven't been able to get pressure and i think that's hurt the back end and you're starting to see a little bit of the organizational like team building flaws that they have on the back end where you have to have a guy like daniel Sorensen out there because juan thornhill is going to be juan thornhill's good but He's not if he's not getting reps over Daniel Sorensen, then we might have a little problem there. You're right, starting right. to see the the cracks in the defense where you don't invest in much in corners and you just have Tyron Matthew. You can just have Tyron Matthew. That's cool. But teams will start to avoid Tyron Matthew and go after Daniel Sorensen like right. everybody has. What do you guys do you guys have any thoughts about Jordan Love? I mean, I don't know much about him. Uh Good. I haven't no. seen enough of him. To, no. I haven't seen enough. Of him he barely him played in the preseason. Yeah, he. What little we saw of him in the preseason, I thought he looked okay. Um, but it has been. Yeah, I'm going off of a two-year-old scouting report, and and the assumption. I mean, he was a little bit of a one of those Mahomes light kind of guys. You know, like like Drew Drew Locke was a Mahomes light kind of guy, and we kind of saw that. Like every once in a while, he'd have some splash plays, and there's way too much inconsistency. So, I, my thought is in terms of a one start. You can put together. I'm sure you can put together a game plan for Love against a weak defense to make him look good in the one start. I don't know. As, as uh, Mr. Chainsaw sixty six asked, could this be the start of the Jordan Love era? A little too early to tell, but you. But the but the combination is there. The fed upness with the Aaron Rodgers experience in all of its ways, mixed with the possibility that Jordan Love could demonstrate here proof of concept they could move on in 2022. I would absolutely love if this was the start of the Jordan Love era. I I just invite the <laughs> chaos. Give give me Jordan Love throwing like 400 yards. 
Yeah, it would be interesting. I I think even if Jordan Love threw for 400 yards, everybody would write it off as the Chiefs defense being the Chiefs defense. And uh, I will say I feel less like it's less likely that Aaron Rodgers would get suspended than I did a year a, a day ago when yes, we did right. the show. Like it now sounds like the league and the Packers knew that he was not vaccinated and he wasn't hiding anything from anybody. And so this is going to be either a one game absence or a two game absence, depending on how he tests before next week's game. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to go back to Rogers. So if it's the start of the love era, it's not for very long. And it's good that they kept uh, him and Jordan love separated. So he wasn't a close contact. Otherwise they'd be starting Blake Bortles this week. Right. Of course, Aaron Rogers probably separated from love anyway, but you know, yeah, I mean, I was kind of hoping that we get Randall Cobb at quarterback at one point in this game. Yes. I, just give me Randall Cobb at quarterback, man. I want to go. I want to go full Broncos Saints. Just give give me Randall Cobb out there. If Devontae Adams is uh, test uh, well again and he plays, give me Devontae Adams at quarterback. Throw in a little bit of like, shoot, give me Kenny Clark at quarterback. Just do whatever. <laughs> he played. He played it in. Uh, no, I'm thinking of somebody else. But yeah, no, no, Cobb. I like that. It would be it, Aaron Rodgers would be very conflicted if Randall Cobb went out there at quarterback, relived his Kentucky glory, and had a good game, and went like facing Aaron Rodgers. It'd be game. I of think even Randall Cobb would go to throw at Sorensen. <laughs> <laughs> throw a book one to himself to Sorensen. Uh, what do you guys think? It's Chiefs minus seven now. You talked me into, so I'm blaming you. Uh, Packers plus seven. I believe it was plus seven and a half yesterday. It was plus seven and a half yesterday, which I like better than plus seven. Yep. Agreed. Well, I already took it and with the over at 48 and a half. So I went same game parlay and I got plus 285 on that. So I went. I like that. I do. For plus 285. I like that. Yeah, I like it. And, and I and again, I like the backup quarterback in their first start. We saw that with the Jets uh, last week. We saw that really with the Cowboys. I generally like that play. So I'm going to go with the Packers on this. And again, I threw it over in because I like same games. I think I'd also go Packers plus seven. This feels like a very weird game, especially for the Chiefs defense. Still, they're going to try and add in Melvin Ingram. I still don't think their secondary is very good. Um, Nick Bolton just won AFC uh, Rookie of the Month on defense, but that second level still has a lot of questions. I would take the Packers, not winning, but I'd take the plus seven. Yeah. yeah, you know what? It's um, it's the sort of like uh, weird things are happening. Take the underdog. Yeah, yeah. that's a good. You know? yeah, I like that. That's simple. The official FO plus pick, uh, FO plus, of course, available now. A limited time offer, only ninety nine cents per week with an annual subscription. The FO plus pick is no pick. Wow, <laughs> they've given so, up. I, I like I like being able to say, hey, weird things are happening. Stay away. But I feel comfortable with what we're saying here, too. All right. Los Angeles Chargers at Philadelphia at 4 p.m. I was surprised how much this matters for the playoff odds, but um, it kind of does for the Chargers because the AFC wildcard is so close right now and the AFC West is so close. Chargers make the playoffs in 66% of Sims where they win, 43% where they lose. Eagles make the playoffs 28% of the time if they win, 12% if they lose. Here's the question. Will the Eagles actually run the ball against the worst run defense in the league? <laughs> probably too much. They've probably pen pendulum swung in the other direction over the last couple of weeks. 
So, but I, that fear that I would have had a month ago that they will not like, oh no, we're not going to run the ball. We're going to throw screens and let the, the Chargers use their team speed against us. I don't think we're going to have that situation. That said, I don't know what Eagles team shows up from week to week at this point. But yeah, we learned last week against the Lions and really a little bit against the Raiders the previous week that Nick Sirianni has done the quality control and saying that while passing is more important than running, you do have to run the ball more than once per half if you want to maintain some kind of uh, honesty on the part of the defense. It feels like Nick Sirianni just said like, oh, you guys want to run, want, want us to run the ball? Here, fine. We'll run right. it 40 times. Jalen right. Hurst won't throw a pass. Right. He won't throw a pass. But I think what's going to be interesting for me, what I'm going to be watching is how this Chargers offense kind of changes. I feel like we saw like the first week where Justin Herbert was throwing the Drew Brees quick game and everybody was excited for it. And then mm-hmm. Joe Lombardi was like, okay, that is the only thing that he will do. Right. So um, PFF Seth Lena, uh, he or Mike Renner also said um, through through this part in the season, Matt Jones has a, a higher average yard, air yards per attempt than Justin Herbert this year. That's wacky. Yeah, it's wild to me. Mm-hmm. And then Seth Lena added on and said he has the most quick game dropbacks of any quarterback this season. It's mm-hmm. like they're trying to put a safety, a little safety pin on a howitzer. Like you don't have to do that. <laughs> You don't have to run all this quick game. Let them throw the ball deep. I don't know if it's because they don't have the personnel. We're like, they have Mike Williams, who's a very good deep threat, but they don't throw the ball deep. So I think that's going to be something I'm going to be watching as far as the Chiefs offense goes. Their defense isn't very good at stopping the run right now. And I think that's due to, you know, you're trying to run the Brandon Staley defense, which is very gap and a half. Have the interior guys clog up, clog it up, and let the speed get to the uh, back. But I don't think they have the personnel for it right now. Jerry Tillery is a one gap player, not a gap and a half. So it'll be interesting to see how they play against a Chiefs or not a Chiefs, but the um, but the Eagles' offense and their offensive line for the Eagles is still pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will also say, as far as trying those deep throws for Herbert. Eagles are number one in ESPN's pass rush win rate, and the Chargers are 22nd in pass block win rate. So he can't try the downfield stuff if he's moving out of the pocket and getting away from the pass rush. Hmm. I want to throw one more thing at you. Home and road splits real quick. I mean, usually our home and road splits on DVOA are not super informative because, as you pointed out a couple times, Aaron, there's not much home field advantage anymore in the NFL. The, uh, the, the Chargers on offense, fifth – uh, DVOA at home, 26th on the road. They're pretty, they're pretty neutral on the defensive side of the ball. They're both, they're pretty evened out, but fifth and 26th on offense. And again, this is a, this is a cross country game. Yeah. I tend to not be a big believer that mo you know, I feel like there's a lot of randomness to those yeah. home and road splits. Like I feel like over the long term, every team basically has the same home field advantage. Right. Except for maybe Seattle. Maybe Seattle, right. <laughs> And maybe, um, maybe the Patriots. Uh, yeah, I nah. Just, <laughs> I mean, theoretically, Denver because of the altitude, yeah. but I've never seen that in the numbers. So right, and I went looking um, all over the Chargers, looking for a cross-country disadvantage. There really is none in general. At this point, the whole like, first of all, it's a four p.m. game, not a one p.m. game, right? But even that, there used to be that thing about Pacific time zone teams playing at 10 a.m. on their body clocks had problems. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of gone away, especially against the spread. It's sort of been already priced into the spread. Right. 
So you know, there's no advantage by knowing that anymore. Yes. Um, Chargers are favored by one and a half. <sighs> it's really you talk about being priced in. That's about it. And and uh, again, these teams, I believe, what are they? Sixteenth and seventeenth in DVOA right now. Fifteenth and sixteenth, they are right. Next uh, something like that. Philadelphia is seventeenth, and the Chargers are sixteenth. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, I think I get I get the feeling the Chargers are now better than what they've looked the last couple of weeks as much as they were worse are worse than they were early in the season. I think they're going to course correct back towards what, uh, you know, what they are, which is a wild card caliber team. So, whereas the Eagles are going to course correct back, back towards being not a bottom feeder, but you know, a six win, seven win team. So with that in mind, I'm leaning towards the chargers in this one. I think I also lean chargers. I just don't have any faith in what the Eagles offense is going to be from week right. to week. So I really can't like make a judgment and say like, yeah, this is what the Eagles will do to beat the Chargers when we don't know what they're going to try. <laughs> like We have no idea what they're going to look right. like. Yeah. I think I'm going Chargers too. I think, um, I think that, that Herbert's going to write the ship at some point and play better than he has the last couple of weeks. And, and this seems like a good time to do it. Uh, so I think that's all three of us on the Chargers minus one and a half. Uh, Arizona at San Francisco Cardinals, 99%. They make the playoffs with a win 92% with a loss. San Francisco, 51% with a win 24% with a loss. Uh, this is a replay of a game that was in week four, 17 to 10 Arizona. That was Trey Lance's only start, but it will be Garoppolo in this game. But who will it be at quarterback? For the Cardinals, yep. Uh, as of yesterday, Kyle Murray was not practicing. He was doing some kind of indoor rehabilitation work. And Cliff Kingsbury has said he uh, Murray could play with no practice this week. Also, in the injury report is Nuke Hopkins. He was injured in the, uh, and came back the other game. I have a feeling that was more of a veteran or a rested injury. But we're going to have possibly no Murray or a less than hundred percent Murray and a possibly less than hundred percent Hopkins. And that's before you get to problems like the problems that the Cardinals have been having at center. See, that's the big thing for me. If Rodney Hudson isn't going or cannot play against the 49ers against their defensive front, then this could cause a lot of problems for the uh, Cardinals offense, especially if Murray isn't hundred percent, a lot of their offense I've wrote, I've written about it for any given Sunday is very, Hey, Kyler, go do something cool outside the pocket. <laughs> and make a play and it's worked but that's uh, that stuff that do something cool won't work very well if kyler murray isn't 100 it won't work very well if nuke hopkins is 100 isn't 100 and if he plays he's not 100 yeah. percent. like even if he does play he's not at 100 percent as far as mobility san francisco surprisingly sport radar has them only 25th in pressure rate on defense that is a supply a surprise given their personnel on defense it, it is, is a surprise it is. I have a feeling that they've been run on a lot and they have, you know, teams have been ahead of the sticks of that against them more often. Although no, 49ers are seventh in DVOA against the run. They've had a good run, okay. uh, good run defense. Okay. Okay. By the way, you just first game, back. Cardinals running backs had only 44 yards on 16 carries. Mm. Doubling back real quick. Rodney Hudson was just designated to get off of IR. So I don't know what that means for his time state timetable. So he's another one who's possible. Max Garcia, the backup center, because they were down to the third string center for a while. He was limited in practice this week. So there is an unbelievable amount of uncertainty looking at that Cardinals offense right now. Yep, at uncertainty at three of our arguably three of the most important positions on that yes. offense. Three of the most important players. Right. 
Right. Yeah, San Francisco, it's surprising, has a lot more certainty right now than Arizona does. Right, right. But the Arizona defense is pretty certain, and they've been really good this year, although obviously now they're you know without J.J. Watt. Yeah, they've been really good when they can get teams into obvious passing situations and they can kind of mix up their personnel. So you can have Isaiah Simmons walked out over a slot receiver. He can take a running back out the backfield. Um, you, ha- you can have Zayvon Collins or Jordan Hicks on him on the field with them at the same time. You can run out all those DBs that they have and kind of mix up their personnel. But where I think they struggle a lot is I think the Packers kind of – they hit them with the uh, weight room offense, which is we're just <laughs> going to be stronger than you, and we are bigger than you, and they just could not stop the run. I think that's a big problem for them, especially going against the uh, 49ers. It's going to be it's going to be difficult for them, especially now with J.J. Watt out, who was their best run defender at along the defensive line. So now you got linebackers having to take on those offensive linemen. Isaiah Simmons is not very good at taking on blocks, like as a stack linebacker. Zayvon Collins is really good, but having He's Isaiah Simmons on the field, but they they use Zayvon Collins a lot less than was expected. I, I, if I, I remember correctly, he's not really starring for them this year. Right, I think yeah, it's been a lot of. It's been a lot of Jordan Hicks, which is yes, kind of surprised yes. me considering they, they use the first round pick on Zayvon Collins. Yes, but yes. I just I just don't think they can stop the run very well. Also returning to practice this week, George Kittle. Oh, so I wonder if he's going to play in this game. Obviously would make a big impact. Right. Yep. Him along with Debo Samuel, who has played amazing this year, mm-hmm. considering everything around him on that offense at quarterback. It's gonna be very. It's gonna be really fun seeing him go up against the Cardinals' defensive backs because a lot of what Debo Samuel does is after the catch. Yeah, it's been a lot of quick passes, screens, get him out running, and he's basically a running back with the ball in his hands. So it'll be fun to see what the DBs for Arizona do against a guy like Debo Samuel because they don't throw the ball to Brandon Ayuk anymore. Uh, he, <laughs> he, 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 he came out of witness relocation uh, against the Bears a little bit. We saw there were some useful meaningful receptions by Ayuk. So like, like don't completely write him out yet, but you're right. We haven't seen him for a while. Arizona third in the league in lowest yards after the catch allowed. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Only Vegas and Washington have allowed a lower average yards after the catch. And both of those teams face much longer passes. And of course, longer passes tend to have less yards after the catch. Right. Right. That's um, an advantage for the Cardinals that we might not have spotted before. That's interesting. The line is Arizona minus one, and I would call this a game that I would stay the hell away from. <laughs> <laughs> There's There are too many variables with this game, especially with Arizona's offensive stars not being 100%, not knowing if they're going to go or not. I would not touch this game with a 10-foot pole. I'm leaning 49ers. I am yeah. the 49ers. Yeah, I I think they're doing enough. I think the matchup is pretty good, and that's what like when you mix all the injury uncertainty together, Cardinals injury uncertainty is here. 49ers is is here. Yeah, I guess that's true. If you yeah. had, if it was like gun to the head, you got to take one of them. Right. It would be San Francisco because Arizona has much more injury uncertainty. But yes. I would definitely, right. you know, if you're picking which game, you know, you're not in a picks pool and you don't right. have to bet every game. I right. would not go with this yep. one. Agreed. Agreed. 
Uh, let's do the last game, which is Sunday night, Tennessee at the L.A. Rams. Uh, we didn't do a graphic for this one because the Rams make the playoffs 98% of the time with a win and 92% with a loss, and the Titans 99% with a win and 95% with a loss. So, yeah, this game does not matter much for the playoff odds. It's the most important game for making the Super Bowl. Mm. The Rams make the Super Bowl 19% of the time if they win, 14% if they lose. The Titans, 12% if they win, and 8% if they lose. Wow. Oh, man. This is this is going to be such a fun game. I think it would be a lot cooler if Derrick Henry were playing because yeah. obviously you want to see Derrick Henry playing. But I'm curious to see how the Tennessee offense changes without having that get out of jail free card in the back. They said they're not gonna. The, the offensive coordinator at least told the press. I mean, who knows what's really gonna happen? Yeah. He told the press that they are not shifting gears. Yep, I think uh, Deontay Lee for Pro Football Focus wrote a really good story earlier this week about how the Tennessee offense kind of changes with Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry is an offense of its own, like on early down, early down runs. In the red zone, Derrick Henry becomes basically unstoppable. So it'll be interesting to see what they do now with Jeremy McNichols and Deion Lewis and Adrian Peterson, who is a hey, Adrian Peterson still still <laughs> still around. Um, it'll be fun to see what they kind of do with their run game, especially incorporating McNichols and Lewis into the uh, into their third down offense. Hold on, Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis is back. Is no, Deion I don't Lewis think so. I think you're confusing him with someone else. Yeah, it's another guy. It's not not Deion Lewis, um, and it's not Darrington Evans because he's also on IR. The other guy is they've got uh, Ruben McNichols and Peterson, McNichols and Adrian Peterson. It's that's going to be a wild game. The other guy is Kerry Blassing game. Blassing, he's kind of a full game, I think. Um, I'll say this now: the Titans' offense. If I said who runs the ball on first down more than any other team, you would say the Titans. And you are correct. The Titans have run the ball 147 times on first down this year. It's more than anybody else. Cardinals are second. Then you get the Cowboys and Browns. Familiar subjects at the top. Titans are way at the top of the list. Now, they're up at about 4.6 yards of carry, which is good. I'm not the biggest EPA guy, but I pulled EPA up on Sports Info Solutions, and it's negative you know, 2.45. So they're probably – I don't like to get too deep in the weeds. They're probably running a little suboptimally on first down this this year, yep. and we've seen and we've seen that Derrick Henry getting force fed, force fed. Saw that a little bit about the Colts next week, and I'm approaching this right now. I'm approaching Derrick Henry out like I would approach a quarterback being out. Oh, the backup quarterback gets a custom game plan in this first game, and the team wins or covers. I'm thinking, whatever Downing says, and maybe he's a goofball or whatever. But the backup running backs get a custom game plan. They unleash some other things. They do some things that are a little more optimal on first downs, and they get a win or cover out of this. Hitchhiker's Pie is curious why you aren't a fan of EPA. Is it because there's no opponent adjustments? That's part of it. That's part of it. I get I get very nervous when like everything gets thrown into a soup and ground, grind, 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 and out comes one magic number that is the solution yeah. to all things. I mean, I like DVOA because DVOA is my thing, right? But I like EPA. It's missing yeah. opponent adjustments. And the other thing about EPA is it needs to come with ranks because I – you know, the nice thing about DVOA is you know that above zero is good offense and below zero is good defense. With EPA, I can't tell you what's good and bad. Like, it yeah. needs to come with a 1-32 to 32 rank. Right. Um, I'm fascinated by this game. On one hand, like, it sucks to not get to watch Derrick Henry for the next nine yes. weeks, ten weeks. On the other hand, it's a great test case. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> one test case does not make the does not make the lab. But wow, is this a great test case for the value of a running back? It's going to be yeah. really interesting for the next few weeks. Well, I am yeah. not. I'm not going to be on Twitter on Sunday night because I don't need to hear the first time McNichols gashes a 12 yard run or whatever. Well, that proves it. That does it. Well, Derrick Henry is useless. I don't need to hear all that. But you're right. It's going to be over the course of 10 weeks an interesting study on how much value that really has. Yep. And I guess the defensive nerd in me is really interested to see how Tennessee's defense attacks the LA death machine. That is this Rams offense because they number one in the league, baby. The Rams, the Rams can kill you in so many ways. Yeah. Now it's not, they can run the ball, but now they can basically say, okay, Matt, just go be, go do you. They can hit those backside digs to Robert Woods. Cooper cup is just dominating every defensive backfield. He sees it's they're practically unstoppable at this point, but the Titans have gotten really good pass rush reps from Harold Landry. In recent yeah, days. he's been a, he's really yes. uh, come on this year. Absolutely. Here's where, here's where the Rams, here's my Rams surprise, right? The yeah. Titans are average against the pass, 28th against the run. So Daryl Henderson should have a good game. Mm-hmm. The Titans give up a ton of receiving yardage to wide receivers, mm-hmm. 80 or more per game to one receiver, wide receivers, one and two. A hundred or more per game to other wide receivers. Mm. Freddie Swain had 95 yards against them. Keelan Cole, 92. Cole Beasley, 88. And Byron Pringle, 73. I don't know what the prop is on Van Jefferson over under yard. (laughs) Go on, go on, go on. I'm heading there. You guys talk. But I like Van Jefferson in this game, man. And Van Jefferson has played really good in that wide receiver three role for the Rams, where basically he is just the – he's catching a touchdown like every week. It's insane at this point. Not posted yet, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. We'll have to keep an eye on that. But if if you use a sports book that has a Van Jefferson receiving prop, I like the Van Jefferson receiving prop in this game. I love uh, Hitchhiker's Pie says Tannehill throws against more defenders in the box than any other quarterback, creating a Simpsons paradox effect for EPA per play. And I assume DVOA, his efficiency might be a better measure of Henry's absence. In other words, does Tannehill suffer from Henry being gone? Right. And that, is there such a big picture element of this? That's in addition to the fact that you don't base anything on one sample, one game sample. There are big picture elements of this that we'll have to look at as it goes on. But I think I think you raise a very good point there. Yeah, this is going to be a great test for the whole idea that play action is not affected by who the running back is. Right. If the Titans continue to be really successful on play action without Henry around, that says a lot. Right. And I think what defense is going to start doing now, because Derrick Henry's not there, is they're going to sit back in too high. They're not going to have to play as much single high coverage. It really limits the ability of of post-snap rotation among Mm -hmm. your defensive backs, which really is what you want to do against heavy play-action teams. You want to change the picture, the before and after. So because Tannehill runs so much play-action, he's got his back turned to the coverage, just change the picture after. Go from too high to one high. It's really hard going from single single high coverage to too high because you're asking a DB to fly all the way back 15 yards. And you you can't do that with Derrick Henry on the field. Yeah, you can't do that with Derrick Henry on the field. No, things, that changes a lot. It's going to be really – I mean, this is going to be a test case for so many interesting things, both statistical and film-wise. Like, yes. this is going to be fascinating to see what happens to the Titans. This game specifically, Rams are favored by seven and a half. 
Titans. Titans, 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 Titans. I was actually looking for like a first half, first quarter. I'm, I'm, I was almost at Titans plus two thirty on the money line, but I want the seven points. I want, I want the possibility of a, of a backdoor cover here because I think they're going to keep it close. <laughs> oh man, I'm leaning Rams. Okay, I think I also lean Rams. This is, this is going to be like Aaron said. It's going to be an interesting test case for the Tennessee offense, but LA's LA's offense is just yeah. at a high level right now where you can throw anything you want at them and they will beat you in whatever way they can. That makes sense. That makes sense. And one thing I think will happen if the Rams do pull, it's going to be a pull away game late. It's not going to be a blowout early. That's why I was looking at first quarter, first half uh, possible overs for the Titans, but I'm still comfortable. I'm still like those seven points. I'm going for it. Seven and a half. We're good. This is going to be a really interesting game. I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I like the Rams to win overall. Definitely. And I kind of like them to come. Is Von Miller gonna play? Yeah, I don't think yeah. he is. Oh my god. Yeah, throw him out there on third and ten and say second. Yeah, my guess is he plays limited snaps, like on in clear pass rushing situations. This right. could get real bad for Tannehill if it's like a third down and you see Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and Von Miller on the field at the same time. <laughs> because now you can't double team or triple team Aaron Donald because right. you have Von Miller. And I don't think the Titans pass protection has been as good as it's been in previous years, um, it could get a little dicey for Ryan Tannehill on Sunday. Uh, JPCG30, by the way, asks me to update week eight DVOA for the Giants in Kansas City. Yeah, something weird happened with that in FO+, and I will try to get to that later today uh, to update that. Thank you, everybody, for watching the show today. Thank you to JP Acosta for joining us. Thank you, as always, to Mike Tanier. Um don't forget about the limited time offer, FO Plus, only 99 cents a week for an annual subscription. Soon to be updated with the proper ratings for the Giants-Kansas City game, I swear. Uh, weird weird things happen with my stuff this week. Uh, tomorrow will be Scott Spratt talking fantasy football, 1 p.m. Eastern. Make sure to join him for that. And make sure to enjoy the Carson Wentz experience tonight. <laughs> I'm watching high school football. Actually watching high school football. Let Mike White cook. Let Mike (laughs) White cook. I I keep all I can think about with Mike White is the guy who did White Lotus for HBO. Oh wow. You know that guy? He was on Survivor at one point and he's done a bunch of movies and like, yeah. So I keep you know thinking in my mind, oh yeah, Mike White, the white lotus guy, but he's actually All right, folks, that's the show. We'll see you again tomorrow with Scott Spratt talking fantasy at 1 o'clock Eastern. I'll be back next Monday with Ian O'Connor to wrap up week eight. Enjoy Thursday night football, folks. Take care.